0: Following the following message is recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Matthew 27, beginning with verse 15. It reads, Now at the feast the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? Verse 20. Now the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who's called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood, see to it yourselves. By the way, he was not innocent. Verse 25, and all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Exactly, wow. Verse 26, then he released for them Barabbas, and having Jesus scourged with the Cat of Nine Tails, a very gruesome experience, delivered him to be crucified. That is the reading of God's word. Now, here we have the setting for a demonstration of God's love that would literally alter the course of human history. Billy Graham described it this way, and I quote, God proved his love On the cross, when Christ hung and bled and died, it was God Almighty saying to the entire world, I love you. I love you. And it's because of this sacrificial love that we gather here on Good Friday. I'd like to unpack what we just read. We've got a hostile crowd. They're witness to a mock trial, and ultimately they are presented with a choice between two prisoners. One would be released, and the other would go on to experience execution by way of crucifixion, the type of punishment that was so absolutely violent that the legendary Roman Marcus Cicero called it an abomination. One of these men, standing before this crowd, would experience an almost unthinkable level of suffering on this day. On the one side we have Barabbas, and on the other side we have Jesus ...who'd been lauded by this same crowd just a week earlier, which says to me, crowds are fickle. What a difference a week makes. I want to begin by attempting to answer a question. Who was Barabbas? He appears in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... But beyond that, there's very limited information that we have about Barabbas. For a matter of fact, after this event, we have no idea how Barabbas went on to live his life. We know that his name has an Aramaic meaning. Pretty interesting. Bar Abba, Bar Abbas, son of the father. That's what his name actually means. Barabbas, son of the father. So interestingly, I think sovereignly, we have two sons. One, Barabbas, the son of fallen Adam. And the other is Jesus, the son of almighty God. There's your choice. Now, the scripture tells us, That Barabbas was a violent insurrectionist, probably a religious terrorist, and a threat to Roman authorities. In Mark 15, verse 7, Luke 23, verse 19, they tell us that he had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, an uprising in the city against the occupying Roman forces. So he is an insurrectionist. It also tells us in Scripture that Barabbas is a murderer whose hands were stained with the innocent blood of others. That's exactly how Peter refers to Barabbas in Acts chapter 3, verse 14. And when you look at that word murderer in the original language, it actually means a homicidal criminal. Homicide is deliberate, premeditated, means you thought about it ahead of time, Unlawful taking of a life, a murderer this Barabbas was, a homicidal murderer. Scripture also says in John 18, verse 40, that Barabbas is a robber or a thief who plundered his victims. Again, 1840 says, they cried out, meaning this fickle crowd. Not this man, referring to Jesus, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. That word again, robber, if you look at it in the original language, here's the definition. One who steals goods from a person typically using force in a time of war or civil disorder. Think of the looting that takes place during a riot. Images come to my mind of trash cans being thrown through windows. And innocent shop owners standing and watching their, their businesses go up in flames. That kind of looting is the word here used to describe this thief, Barabbas, a plunderer. We just read in Matthew twenty seven sixteen that he is also referred to as a notorious criminal. We just read it, and they had then a notorious criminal called Barabbas. Now, you all know to be notorious means you're famous for all the wrong reasons, right? When you're notorious, it's not a good thing. It means people recognize when this guy walks down the street, we walk on the other side, or we turn around and go in the other direction. He's notorious. So we've got a violent insurrectionist, a murderer, a plundering thief who is a notorious criminal on one side. Now let's compare Barabbas to the one who silently stood beside him facing the angry crowd. Let's answer the question. Who was Jesus? We know Jesus is not a violent insurrectionist, but Isaiah 9, verse 6, refers to him as the Prince of Peace. You've heard these words before. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace. That's Jesus. We know Jesus is not a murderer. Contrary, Jesus is one who brings the light up, the dead back to life. One of my favorite miracle stories in the entire New Testament has to do with Lazarus. You know, Mary and Martha's younger brother who dies, and they call upon Jesus. He kind of comes, and I quote, late. Look at John 11, 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. In the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he asked. So he's not a taker of life, (laughs) he's the source of life and life eternal. Jesus. Is not a plundering thief. Instead, he is the ultimate, with a capital U, giver. The ultimate giver. He's a servant who gave everything for us. Philippians 2, verses 7 and 8 says, He emptied, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. We know Jesus was not a notorious criminal. But he's known for healing the sick and the oppressed, for embracing little children, for loving the social outcast, and for washing the feet, washing the feet of his followers. Matthew 4, says, Great crowds followed him from Galilee to the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Jesus was famous, and he's famous today. Praise his name. But he's famous for his message For those miracles, and I believe most importantly, Jesus, unlike Barabbas, who was infamous, Jesus is famous for his love. He's known for his love. You could not find two more radically different people the violent sinner Barabbas, the son of fallen Adam, as opposed to Jesus, the perfect son of God you got a violent insurrectionist, a murderer, a plundering thief, a notorious criminal on one side. The other side, you've got the Prince of Peace, the resurrection and the life, ultimate giver who is known for his love. And yet, and yet, the Roman officials in the crowd called for the death, not of Barabbas, but of Jesus As demonstrated, I believe, by Pilate's questioning a second, third time, from a strictly human perspective, it should have been Barabbas on that cross. From a worldly point of view, you might think they crucified the wrong man. Jesus was innocent, Barabbas was the criminal. Barabbas deserved that death, not Jesus. But we know none of this occurred outside of the divine, providential plan of a loving God. Revelations 13.8 says, The Lamb, Jesus, was slain. From the creation of the world it was purposed in the heart of God it was part of God's plan that this occurred and the plan is contained in the concept we call atonement really the theological term is vicarious atonement the cross was necessary In order to satisfy the justice of God, to pay for the sins of mankind, and to make it possible for you and I to be reconciled to God. To have a relationship with God. And because of this, Jesus, let me tell you, did not have his life taken from him. That's right. right. He willingly laid it down. It says that in John chapter 10, verse 18. He knows this plan. He willingly took the lashes on his back that should have been for Barabbas. He willingly wore the crown of thorns that Barabbas should have worn. He willingly endured the public ridicule, the hateful mocking, the abandonment by friends and family that should have been directed toward the criminal who the crowd set free. He felt the numbing pain of spikes driven into his wrist and feet, pinning him to a wooden cross that Barabbas should have endured. But it wasn't the nails. Listen, it wasn't the nails that held him there. It was love. Romans five eight. God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Love held him on that cross. Because of his love for the violent insurrectionist the murderer, the plundering thief, the notorious criminal. He endured the cross, and you all know when I'm talking about the criminal, I'm not just referring to Barabbas, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I am Barabbas. I was Barabbas. I'm a violent insurrectionist. How many times have I put myself... In my desires above those of Almighty God. I'm a murderer. How many times have I held anger, bitterness, even hatred in my heart toward others? I'm a thief. How many times have I looked upon the gifts that God has given me and viewed them as my own possession, taking them for granted? I am a notorious criminal. Everyone who knows me, everyone who really, really intimately knows me, knows that I am fatally flawed, that I'm in dire need every single day of the grace of God. Amen. I was Barabbas. So weren't you. It was my sin That's right. that nailed him. To the cross listen to romans three verse nine what then are we jews any better off no not at all for we have already charged that all both jews and greeks are under sin all as it is written none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks for god all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asks is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God Before their eyes. Sounds like Barabbas. Sounds like. Yet here. Here's the message. Of the cross. That makes this Friday. So good. Jesus. The Son of God, wrapped in human flesh, took my punishment upon himself. He bore the cross that I deserved. Mm. He satisfied God's justice by paying a penalty that I could never, ever, ever pay. And he made me the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah, you're right. I was Barabbas. So weren't you. But he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who he is. Isaiah 53, we heard it earlier. I want to read it again. Y'all don't mind, do you? Who has believed what he's heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty, that we should look at him, no beauty, that we should desire him, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought who? Who? Us peace. And with his wounds, his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. John 19.30 I'll take you back to the cross. And Jesus been he's been tortured brutally. For a matter of fact, I intentionally I was not led by the Lord to share the graphic details with you. I feel sometimes we get distracted in all of that stuff, and you could always access that information other places, but I do know it was a torture beyond what words can communicate. And in the midst of that, I think the greatest, which I still don't understand, it's a mystery to me, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I mean, there is a degree of suffering that Jesus endured because of the weight of the sin. The world, the darkness that is our sin, he took upon himself. Listen to verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, this is John chapter 19, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. That is, in the original language, a transactional phrase. And what it means is paid in full. We have a banner. Where is it? Right over there. I've I've done the purpose that you put me here for. I have paid in full the penalty for their sin whosoever believeth on me. There's a hymn. It's a classic one. I'll end with this. We're going to sing it in a bit. It's called Jesus Paid It All. I love this. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow.